0: Word, I'm gonna say the word. In the beginning was the word. What? Word. Word. word, word. Word was the word.
1: From the KJZZ Studios in Phoenix, Arizona, Welcome to Word, a podcast about the literary arts in Arizona and the region. Here's your host Tom
2: Maxidon.
3: Nano enthusiasts are past the halfway mark for the month.
2: I think some people are motivated by the glory. They want to get to the end of the month. Ha, I did it. That was never something that motivated me.
3: We'll find out how those in the Southwest are coping and keep on trucking to the finish line. 50,000 words in November.
0: It's gone off the rails a little bit, which is so fun, uh, <laughs> when your story just kind of takes a life of its own.
3: But first, Lynn Sturdevant is an Albuquerque, New Mexico writer. This is her first year taking the Nano Challenge, but she's been an avid writer for several years.
4: I do both fiction and nonfiction. I've written mostly nonfiction lately. I have five published nonfiction books. Two of them were traditionally published, and I self published three of them. And they're about local tourism, like how to write a local travel guide, how to write a local history guide, and one is a collection of ghost stories. And I also wrote a novel, which I self-published just in September, although the novel had been laying around for quite a while. So once I got that up and running, I was ready to start a new project. And I knew I wanted to do more fiction. And there was NaNoWriMo out there on the horizon. So I thought, (laughs) okay, I'm just going to give this a try. And it's working really well for me.
3: Well, that's what I was going to ask you now past the halfway point. Some people get to that point and they really hit the brick wall and they're just like, you know what? I'm not sure that I can finish this. Others are like, yes, I'm over the halfway point. It's smooth sailing from here. Are you in either of those mindsets right now?
4: I haven't hit a wall, but I'm not trying to write an entire novel in November either. I actually didn't even start writing on the first of the month because I wasn't ready yet. I was a pantser. I was a pantser when I wrote my first novel. And I went down so many, you know, blind alleys. And I think it really showed me that that was not the best way to write for me. So what I'm trying, kind of an experiment here, is I've done an outline. It's not a super detailed outline, but I do have a roadmap of the whole book. And that's what I was doing the first week of November, getting that more thought through, more fleshed out. So then I just started writing. And so far I've written about 9,000 words. Um, I'm kind of almost to the end of chapter three. I assume this book's probably going to be 80,000
3: words. So, you,
4: you know, I'm... I'm not not trying to finish it in the next two
3: weeks. Yeah, absolutely. 50,000 words in a month. That's the nano goal. But I can remember talking to folks last year on this same program, and we kind of arrived at a terminology because nano is full of lingo. And the terminology that we arrived at was nano... My Mo. I'm using this month to figure out my way into this and it doesn't have to be 50,000 words and it doesn't have to follow, yes. you know, all these guidelines. Maybe you could like that. tell me a little bit then about the genre, the theme as well.
4: Well, I'm writing contemporary fantasy. My story set in West Virginia and it's going to be a ghost story, but it's also got a good mix of folklore Appalachian folk magic, folk medicine, and that type of stuff in it. And my main character, I'm writing uh, in a first person. It's a first person story. Um, has got a bunch of problems of her own that she's trying to deal with. Her life is not working too well financially, work wise, and so on. So the whole thing's you know kind of swirling together, and that's where it is right now. It doesn't have a title yet. But I'm feeling pretty good about how smoothly this is going so far. I'm probably jinxing myself. You know how we're all so superstitious about (laughs) this kind of stuff. But what I had hoped to get out of of this experience was maybe 10,000 words, maybe 20,000 words top. But what I was really looking for was kind of a clear picture of where I was headed. And I wanted to have momentum. And I feel like I've already achieved that.
3: Yeah. So you're a winner at the end of the day, no matter what. I'm curious about this connection that I keep observing or hearing people talk about with respect to the genre of fantasy. And in some ways... It's kind of like people working out maybe a past puzzle in their life. Not that everything that winds up in the novel is something directly out of a person's life. But frequently I find that this genre leads to people maybe dealing with something that happened in their past, something that was problematic and and sort of figuring out that puzzle or figuring out how to make it through something that happened to them. Would you say that's sort of fair in your experience with fantasy?
4: Well, sort of. What really appeals to me and what I'm very interested in are situations that are super normal, super mundane, almost boring, where magic bubbles up or a supernatural creature appears or something paranormal happens. And I've been thinking about that kind of stuff since I was a kid. Nothing's ever happened to me. I've never had any kind of strange experiences or disturbing experiences, but. I've always been charmed by the by that idea that concept that there's another level of reality that things are not as they appear. And I also am fascinated with the question of how the past, especially the distant past, still affects the present. So those are kind of the driving things for me when I think about fantasy and contemporary fantasy.
3: Well, I love that idea about the past driving the present. Sometimes people's conceptions on where the future is going drive the present. But I think in some ways it's the closest way maybe that we can time travel, like listening to a song, right? Something like that.
4: Yes. Or or even a more mundane example, you look at holiday celebrations when you start looking at some of the traditions and customs and you realize the depth of uh, ancient thoughts and feelings and concepts that are underlying all that stuff it's everywhere. You, you can't really escape it. You can ignore it, but it's always there.
3: The other thing, too, that I'm fond of saying is a study of literature is a study of human choices. And just because folks had different customs in the past, their essential human characteristics have been with us for as long as we've been telling stories to each other, right? Absolutely, yes. Yes. Lynn, I want to thank you so much for coming to Word and talking to us briefly about your project as we're over the halfway mark. Best of luck getting to your own personal finish line.
4: Well, thank you. I plan to get there.
3: You can find out more about Lynn Sturtevant on our website, word.kjzz.org. I'm Tom Maxidon, and you're listening to Word, a podcast about the literary arts in Arizona and the region.
1: KJZZ offers original podcasts, including stories that tug on your heartstrings. Falling for someone else while your loved one with dementia is still alive isn't unusual. That's life and dementia. But is this really cheating? Listen to the Recovering Caregiver podcast or get your daily dose of news with the Sun Up podcast. Find all of our podcasts at iTunes, Spotify and at podcasts.kjzz.org.
4: Hey, it's Peter Sagel. Some people think that smart speakers are a futuristic surveillance device straight out of George Orwell, constantly monitoring you as you engage in your most private actions and conversations. Well, they are. But did you know they're also a radio? That's right. You can ask your smart speaker to play NPR to hear your local station and all your favorite NPR shows. And it will. It will also report you to the central ministry. But why not enjoy yourself while you still can?
3: Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Maxedon. Melissa Figueroa lives in Glendale. This is her eighth year engaging in NANO, but began by writing poetry when she was young.
2: I actually wrote my very first poem in third grade. And I did that because, you know, I'm first generation um, Mexican-American. And so I guess in third grade, I was having difficulty with my English and I was sent off to a writing class for part of the day. And uh, that's where I wrote my first poem. Um, so I would say that's where I started. I got reconnected into my passion for writing, probably after I like to call it my first dark era. So I graduated high school, I went to college, thought I was going to be an aerospace engineer. And then I flunked out of college. And um, it wasn't just the flunking out of college, but it was a couple of other things things in my life that either were taken from me or I had to abandon. Um, And so I fell into this first dark era. And it was at that time that I sought out to have a mentor. And she helped me out a lot. And one of the things that she invited me to was a writer's group. And we ended up doing some collaborative work. We actually ended up publishing two collection of our works. So in the first work, I published a set of three poems. And in the second work, I published kind of a, an allegory uh, about love. So I continue and and really, that's how actually I heard about NaNoWriMo. And um, when I started NaNoWriMo, eight years ago now, I've been passionate about it since and I, I continue to Focus myself into that. When I did go back to college three years ago, mm-hmm. I ended up becoming a communications major, and I graduated with my bachelor's in communication. And oh,
3: congratulations! Continue,
2: thank you. Continue to cultivate my passion for words and and communicating. <laughs>
3: well, I'm really intrigued by your story, and you talk about this. Kyroskyro, if you want this interplay between light and dark in your own past and how writers and the community of writers helped lift you into sort of a a light period. That's just a really interesting story and testament to, I think, how communities help each other, right? And that you're not facing things alone. But writing as an activity, for the most part, is a solitary event. And so how do you encourage yourself day by day? Not necessarily that you have to hit that word goal exactly every day, but how do you propel yourself through this month and keep your energy up?
2: It's a really a big self-awareness question, right? Because everybody's motivated by their own individual thing, right? I think some people are motivated by the glory, they want to get to the end of the month and they right. want to say, ha, I did it. You know, um, that was never something that motivated me. I think I tried to make that be my motivation, but it just, it's so shallow for me that it, it, it in disingenuous rather, I'll say that, that it, it never motivated me. Some people do it because it's just part of who they are. They can't help but write. They can't help but express themselves through that medium And I think that that is one of the stronger motivations for people. But um, it also kind of runs dry because then it kind of becomes this thing where, well, why am I not writing? Or why don't I feel like writing if I'm a writer, but I don't feel like writing? Am I failing? (laughs) Um,
3: Because that's the definition of what a writer is, a person who writes.
2: (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, But we're humans. We're not robots, you know. I'm still answering that question for myself. The times when I do my best at writing, it's when I'm really trying to answer what life is about. All of the stories these past eight years, they each had their place in that season of my life. And through the characters that I was writing, I tried to resolve some of the conflicts that were internal to me. So my writing this year is about she's a princess, but the kingdom and the the king is is a whole galaxy. Um, So it's not like medieval or anything like that. Oh, wow. so,
3: So it's more science fantasy almost, it sounds like to me.
2: Yeah. And so she is the only girl out of 12 other boys. And all of the other boys have something to offer their father, the king. They have, you know, the firstborn is going to become heir eventually. The secondborn who's twin to the firstborn is kind of the head advisor. And so each one of them has a purpose and has something they can offer. But she has never had that expectation put on her. But yet she has a love to her father, to the king that motivates her to do not for the sake of kind of like in my other stories, not for the sake of glory, for the sake of doing the right thing or anything like that, but just out of love. She goes on this journey of going to a deserted planet. And it's her own imposed mission to terraform this planet. Because growing up, she has everything she needs, you know. She's she's princess of an entire galaxy. She's like money isn't a problem, resources aren't <laughs> a problem. And at the same time, it's kind of the simple idea of what do you give somebody that has everything? Right. Right. But she instead wants to redeem this planet. And that's what I want to do with other people as a life coach. And through my business, I want to help people who have had decimated lives for whatever reason maybe it was domestic violence maybe it was addiction whatever it was and nourish it with love and bring it to something that is life that is celebrated that is going to perpetuate and and not just be this uh sterile stale vacant thing
3: well and sounds like something that gives life meaning after all to me that's what literature often does in one way or another the art form itself can give people meaning about a great many things Melissa, I want to thank you so much for coming to Word and talking to us about your personal story, and how that's interrelated with what you're trying to do right now, and then also your novel that you're working on here for Nano.
2: Thank you, Tom. I appreciate your time with me and for listening to me. Thank you so much for for giving me this opportunity.
3: Absolutely, and as we're over the halfway mark, best of luck here as we close in on November thirtieth. Thank you. You can find out more about Melissa Figueroa on our website, Word. KJZZ.org. I'm Tom Maxidon, and you're listening to Word, a podcast about the literary arts in Arizona and the region.
1: KJZZ offers original podcasts, including a new one about how sports canceled by the pandemic nearly sank tourism in the Valley. And My
3: goal is to make this a major league community. That meant four major league sports. And after that experience, the NFL said, we're never coming back. Get yourself a stadium and then we'll talk.
1: Check out the new Empty Seats podcast at iTunes, Spotify, and at podcast.kjzz.org.
3: KJZZ Spot 127 Youth Media Center is a qualifying charitable tax organization, which means that your contribution is eligible for a dollar-for-dollar dollar credit on your Arizona taxes. Visit taxcredit.spot127.org today and support our award-winning students. Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Maxidon. Morgan Spatola has a very interesting background as a performer, photographer, and writer. Spatola is also a fellow podcaster. I caught up with her recently and began our discussion by asking how the pandemic has affected her life as a creative.
0: I'm part of a burlesque production group, and we stopped producing anything in February uh, to keep everybody safe. We have a lot of immunocompromised folks that we work with, and so we stop producing things. when um, We haven't done anything in that realm. And, um, as far as photography goes, I am my only subject right now, uh, which is difficult for a lot of reasons, but it's, it's pushing me to kind of push my bounds creatively for sure as far as podcasting and writing writing's more of a solo activity and podcasting is so easy to do right. remotely so obviously that's not not a problem
3: <laughs> Yeah that's what I've found as well in the past folks who are from this region would come into the studio but I've found technology like this to be helpful certainly it's always nice to be face to face when you can but obviously Prudence dictates uh, that we use technology like this. As far as you being a photographer, I'm curious how that plays into your writing process. Do you use visualization techniques, for instance?
0: You know, I don't. It's kind of funny that you asked that. I've never actually considered... I guess, mixing the two. I know that there's a lot of folks that when they write and they work on their outlines and things, they go on Pinterest or whatever, and they look at photos and and compile all that. But it just all kind of sits in my head. And I I don't really do that as far as my writing with my photos. I have a few projects that I like to try to tell a story with. Um, So, but it's uh, when you do a narrative in photography, I feel like It's a lot more abstract than actually writing. So I don't find that they overlap a lot. It's a really interesting question.
3: (laughs) Morgan, how many years have you been participating in NaNoWriMo?
0: This is my third official year. Uh, I... Tried once in 2012 and did not finish. Uh, Last year was when we started a a NaNoWriMo podcast, actually, (laughs) with a few of my friends, and that forced me to go through with it. And I I passed with flying colors. And so this year, I'm looking forward to to hitting that 50000 again.
3: So you've talked just briefly about your writing process not really being connected to a visual component like Pinterest, which folks do use, as you indicated. Would you say you're more of a plotter or a fly by the seat of their pants pantser or... Uh, what they call a planster?
0: I try to be a plotter. I think that being organized in that way really helps me every time I sit down in front of the computer uh, so that I'm, you know, I know exactly what I'm working on. But this year, It's gone off the rails a little bit, which is so fun uh, (laughs) when your story just kind of takes a life of its own, and that's what's happened. So this year is more of a planter kind of year, uh, plotting and, and pantsing at the same time. I'm trying to work on the outline a little bit, but mostly I'm just kind of letting the story go where it wants to go.
3: Yeah, I've talked to numerous people that try their best to plot things out, but when it comes right down to missing an opportunity for creativity, they're like... I got to have some kind of juice, some kind of flow here, because otherwise, if I just stick to this A, B, C, D, outliner, one, two, three, four, five, whatever it is, I'm going to miss a a golden opportunity to explore something with a character, per se, or a plot device. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about your writing process then and how it's been going, what's been working well for you sort of as we close in towards the latter half of this nano Yeah.
0: Definitely, consistency is a huge thing. If you miss one day, it piles up very fast. Uh, the words that you have to catch up on. So I, I found having my consistent process where I I sit down every day after I get home from work. I plug in a certain music playlist and I just I write for you know an hour. I set a timer and I just go for an hour um, until the timer's up. If I'm feeling it, I keep going, and if not, at least I've got my words in. I also find that, uh, sprinting with folks is super helpful. Essentially that's where you set a timer with other people for a short amount of time, 10 minutes, 15, 20, when the timer goes off, you write as hard and fast as you can. And, uh, you compare your word counts at the end. So, um, I find that kind of putting that competitive edge on it helps me focus, uh, and just, and, and get through the word count. So definitely consistency and, and, uh, and working with other folks to hold myself accountable.
3: Yeah, that's a great point. Even if it's not necessarily competition in the strictest of senses, having somebody hold you accountable sounds like a really good idea and a way to propel you through the story that you're trying to write. Because, you know, 1,667 words a day, I think, is the word count that you're supposed Mm -hmm. to hit. And like Mm -hmm. you said, if you miss a day, you miss a lot. Yeah. What is the genre of what you're working on right now? And maybe tell me a little bit about the central character and theme.
0: I am writing a fantasy novel. It's got two main characters. Uh, It's very vampire heavy. Uh, It's just a random idea I had. And I thought, that sounds fun. It's essentially the two main characters. One is a vampire. The other one is a a human girl that's not a vampire. Um, They meet. There's a bit of a, a, I don't know, moment. I I don't want to call it a meet cute. It's more of a meet ugly, I suppose, because he's attempting to (laughs) do his vampire thing and feed on her. Uh, And that doesn't go very well. And um, they end up stuck together. And I thought it would just be kind of a fun little thing to write through and just kind of indulge my my fantasy novel preferences. But as I started writing, I realized that um, these two characters, just by nature of their relationship, have a certain power dynamic going on. So that's kind of what I started sinking into exploring is this power dynamic and how do you heal, I suppose, when somebody who has a certain power over you hurts you, can you come back from that? And what does that relationship look like? And how does it grow? So what started as something that I thought would be kind of fluffy and self-indulgent has gotten a lot deeper. And um, it's been really interesting to kind of feel that out and and see where it goes.
3: Have you been surprised at yourself, some of the revelations maybe that you've kind of personalized? And I, I won't say just copycat and put it directly into the book, but have you found something about yourself by writing this book that maybe you could share with others?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think so. I I, I hope others pick up on it. I feel like I'm being pretty subtle, <laughs> but I do think that sort of exploring this relationship between these two characters kind of does reflect some of my own experience in my past with relationships that I've had, and um, I, I wasn't expecting that. But I think that writing that is very helpful for me to kind of explore what I suppose forgiveness and reconciliation might look like, you know, when somebody is ready for that. And that definitely reflects my own experience in a way. And if other people pick up on that, it would be really cool, but I'm I'm not trying to be too heavy handed with it.
3: Yeah, after all, it is supposed to be fun. I've talked to other people who have said that's the best way to really get through it is write something that you enjoy, have fun with it. Certainly, people have made a career out of participating in NaNoWriMo, and they've gotten a book deal out of it. Are you looking for anything quite like that?
0: I'm not sure. I, I think everyone, you know, that writes has an idea that it would be fun to be published and have a big book deal and and all that. I've looked at the self-publishing route. Amazon and Kindle have definitely, you know, democratized publishing for everybody. You can put whatever you want out there and it's so easy, which I think is really neat. And it's something I've thought about. I think the traditional route would be a fun thing to pursue, but it's not something that I'm sort of you know, staking my my career on or, or my hopes and dreams on. You know, if, if I do that, it would just be sort of just to kind of see what happens, essentially.
3: <laughs> well, Morgan, I want to thank you so much for coming to Word and talking to us about NaNoWriMo, how you're participating, and best of luck as you finish out November 30th. Thank you. You can find out more about Morgan Spatola on our website at word.kjzz.org. Portions of Word have been nominated for an Edward R. Murrow Award. I'm Tom Maxidon, and thanks so much for supporting the literary arts in Arizona and the region. Word. 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 Was the word.
1: Thanks for listening to Word, a podcast about the literary arts in Arizona and the region. You can find all episodes online at word.kjzz.org or wherever you get your podcasts.